0: Welcome to the Aroma of Christ podcast, brothers and sisters in Christ. I am Ryan Brown, the pastor of the Foster Warrior Baptist Church, and the hope behind this podcast is to do nothing in any way to replace regular gathering among God's people. It is for the sake of mutual encouragement of one another through the singing and preaching ministry that we gather. But if you do happen to miss a week and want to keep up in Matthew, or if you want to re-listen to a sermon because it was particularly impactful or particularly confusing, this podcast is available to you. And so we continue on the Aroma of Christ, Sermons from the Pulpit, of Fosteria Baptist Church. Our scripture reading for this um, particular week on the podcast is Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. This is Moses. This is the Lord's instruction to Joshua as he is being built up as he is being presented and installed as the leader. And there's lots of promises given to him promises about how people aren't going to stand, promises about how Abraham's covenant, Abraham's promise of a certain land will be given to, to the people of Israel under Joshua's control. And in light of that, he's supposed to be strong and courageous, and in particular, he's supposed to be strong and courageous because the Lord will be with him. He has no need to fear, and instead of spending his time fearing, he can spend his time meditating, murmuring in the law that is the Torah or instruction that Moses commanded, that Moses wrote. The scripture reads in Joshua 1 verses 1 to 9, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. as i was with moses so i will be with thee i will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which i swear unto their fathers to give them that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, Whithersoever, Thou goest. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. We'll look at Psalms 1 and 2 over the next couple of weeks and return to Matthew after our guest on October 1st. Psalms 1 and 2 in some ways seem to form a short introduction to the rest of the book of Psalms. We'll look today at Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1 reads this Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruits in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Father, we ask that you would help us today as we think about your word. As we think about it during this next little bit of time. And then throughout the rest of the day as we have conversations together or are in our own homes thinking, ask that ultimately you would be doing a work within us to bring us to you, to cause us to see your glory and your grace and your glorious grace. I pray, Lord, that we would catch hold of this image that the psalmist gives us. About the good of studying and thinking about your word. Nay, pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. In nineteen eighty one, there was an interview. Posted to Posted, well, no, it was 1981, it wasn't Posted, it was aired on television, where Barbara Walters was interviewing Catherine Hepburn upon her receiving of her fourth Oscar. During the course of the interview, Hepburn started talking about the fact that she felt strong. And she was trying to capture the feeling of strength with some sort of analogy. And she jumped on to the analogy of a tree. That she was strong as a tree. This then became the scenario and context in which Barbara Walters stated the now infamous question. The now cliched and cheesy celebrity question, if you are a tree then, what type of tree are you? Now Hepburn doesn't directly respond to the question to say what type of tree she is, but she starts to discuss the fact of what type of tree she'd hope to be. She contrasts the possibility of being a elm with Dutch elm disease, diseased and weak, and then says that she'd like to be an oak tree, or rather, everybody would like to be an oak tree. That's very strong, very pretty. If we are going to be compared to trees, I do imagine we'd rather be the tree that is strong like an oak. One where you could have a something like a, a rope swing coming down from, where there'd be fruit possibly feeding animals and maybe even humans, rather than a tree that was diseased, withering, and in danger of falling down and instead being a nuisance. the text before us in psalm 1 describes the reality of a strong tree and as an image of a certain type of person and so it gives us that path to strength that path to blessing and it's found in murmuring or meditating in the word of the lord the path to blessing and strength Is found in murmuring in the word of the Lord. We begin looking at Psalm 1 in verses 1 to 3, the description of the blessed man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the person, the individual. There's a characteristics of this man who can be described as blessed, as happy. As having received the favor of the Lord, and at first, there's a certain blessing of and characteristic of him of what he doesn't do. The company he keeps, the peers around him, and how they pressure him. He's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor is he standing in the way of sinners nor sitting in the seats of the scornful the advice and counsel of the ungodly is not one where he's currently walking in it trying to get better at this ungodly reality the way of sinners in which they go and do their way apart from the lord sitting he's not standing in that and as scoffers sit and scoff, as they make a mock of all things that are good. The truly happy man doesn't sit with them, making the same mockery. Instead, he has a total want of this company or this uh, actual likeness to these types of individuals, ungodly sinners. He's blessed and happy because he's not giving in to the company and influence of the world and not surrounding himself with all sorts of ungodly influences. You notice that the psalmist introduces us to this concept. Not just by simply saying that he doesn't find himself surrounded. He talks about his walking. He talks about his standing. He talks about his sitting. When Moses in Deuteronomy 6 is trying to explain how the words of the great Shema, Shema being Hebrew word here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How those words and the rest of Moses' commandments and instructions should be on their lips. He talks about it being on their lips when they walk, when they sit, when they lie down, and when they rise up. And here we have the same type of totality of waking experience in regard to standing, walking
1: if we're awake we're most likely doing one of those things
0: and in none of them are we supposed to be inundated with the influence of ungodly but beyond that the psalmist may also be pushing us to see a sort of progression of comfort with the sins of the world If you're walking, you're still moving, it's just as simple to start walking in a different direction. You're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but maybe you can leave the ungodly behind and start walking in a different way. But Once you've started to stand, you've started to become more comfortable, complacent, more like you're prepared to stay there while within the way of the space. And certainly, sitting is a place of comfort, a place of remaining. The influence of peer pressure, the influence of the world, the influence of sin as a whole. Slow, steady. If you don't notice that you're walking, you still find yourself standing, or even sitting. Finding all of this sin, all of these influences pushing us down and making it hard to f- remember the wonderful graces of Christ. In that particular aspect of what the psalmist is presenting, it creates a warning. A warning of constant evaluation and constant vigilance. To see how the influence of sin in our own selves and the influence of the world outside us is causing us to become more comfortable with things we would previously have said are completely gross and intolerable. But the psalmist doesn't leave it at simply saying that the man that is to be blessed and happy is going to not be surrounded in these ungodly manners. But instead says in verse 2, But his delight is in the law of, his, law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and day. When we read the word law in Scripture, we have a few different options of what, how it is used within Scripture. The Hebrew word Torah at base means instruction. And it's used to refer to the Mosaic Covenant. It's used to refer to particular commands within the Mosaic Covenant, and it's All of the instruction of the Lord. It seems that it's likely that last one that is supposed to be what we're understanding here. the instruction, the whole of Scripture, the word of the Lord. The man who is blessed doesn't simply have employment within, he doesn't just occupy himself within the law of the Lord. But delights in it, rejoices in it, enjoys it, enjoys it such that it even becomes a regular activity. He's in the Torah, meditating day and night. You ever notice? how when you really start to enjoy something, you make time for it that you otherwise didn't have. Perhaps it's football, perhaps it's reading, perhaps it's video games. But when you find yourself enjoying something, you'll find opportunity to plug it in and find ways to make time. For it to happen. The delight of this blessed man is so much in the Torah of the Lord that he makes time to meditate within it day and night. A continuous activity. A regular practice of finding ourselves within the word of the Lord. Now you might, when you hear the word meditate, start thinking about making some um sounds and having that type of certain pose. Now, though it's not quite as quiet as you might also tend to think of meditation, the word almost always has within it some idea of noise coming out. So, when it's applied then here to the scripture, we have reason to take it as if it's being recited or read quietly. It's as if you're murmuring, muttering, whispering within the word of the Lord. It's a repetition. It's a delight in it. Certain level of intense study. Unlike a lot of places in scripture that talk about receiving the word, it's a private enterprise. a Private activity. It's hard to whisper to oneself in a public place. But if indeed it's a description of a lifestyle of how we relate to the word in delight and study, then the fact that the the Old Testament was written to the people of Israel, and the New Testament was written to the assembled church, gives us reason to also apply it to times when we are gathered in the building, gathered outside the building with other church members having a desire to read the Word, study the Word, together. And it's then, after a description of this activity in the Torah, in the Word, that the psalmist gives us the image of a tree. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If the blessed and happy man Were to be likened to a tree. He'd be a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'd be a tree that has access to the water he needs in order to keep growing. And when it's time for the fruit to be there, there it would be. Ready to be picked up. Leaf wouldn't wither. Be it a glorious looking and providing tree, strong seems almost stronger than an oak. And the blessed man would find himself prospering in all that he does. Certainly not to the point as Tom was talking about in Sunday school and the prosperity gospel preachers that often happen on television, where you are trusting to get a whole bunch of your greeds and once applied. Not that type of everything done prospers, but the image given of fruitfulness, of beautiful leaves, The image given of a well-watered and well-supplied tree. The image seems to be given of a blessed man. Planted by the waters of the word of the Lord. Bearing forth fruit in his season. You know, you don't expect much fruit to come from any trees that are in deserts, unwatered, away from that necessary nutrients. But you can begin to expect fruit from trees that are watered, that do receive nourishment and refreshment. Can't expect to see much fruit in our Christian life if we're disconnected from the water of the Word of the Lord. For not receiving instruction and seeing Christ on the pages of scripture. We can't expect to be like this type of tree. Psalm one one says, Blessed is the man who does these things. Psalm two twelve encourages us and tells us that blessed are all they that put their trust in him. The beginning and end of this two-psalm introduction tell us about blessed individuals. One that murmurs in the Torah day by day, and the other that takes refuge in the sun. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. It's also the case that it's hard for us to find ourselves bearing fruit. It's hard for us finding ourselves having the faith to continue to trust and continue to go on. We're not engaged in meditation upon the word of the Lord and seeing Him and His faithfulness within it. If you really want to go farther, this imagery of a tree its picked up in Jeremiah seventeen five through eight. It's picked up there in reference to the one who trusts in the Lord being this tree planted by the rivers. Picked up in Ezekiel 47, verse 12, in reference to trees planted by the new eschatological, that is end times temple. Trees that bear forth their fruit every month, with leaves that do not wither. It's picked up again in Revelation 21:2 of the tree of life in the New Jerusalem. Unwithering leaves. Bearing fruit every month. And even then, those types of things might cause us to remember that in the Garden of Eden, there's one river that splits into four. So the trees in the garden would have been planted by rivers of water. The psalmist isn't just comparing us to a strong tree. Comparing us to an Eden-like tree. Stronger than the oak Catherine Hepburn wanted to be. And indeed, the contrast and alternative is worse than a diseased elm as well. Verses 4-6 to draw us into the portrayal of the wicked man. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly. Blessed man is described as a tree planted by rivers of water. It bears forth its fruits and its leaves don't wither. But the ungodly are not described even as a tree at all. Not even as the shrub. But as the vegetable substance of the chaff. That which is movable and useless. That the wind must push away so that the weed itself can be enjoyed. They're not planted firmly, they're driven away by the wind. They're not bearing forth fruit, they need to be driven away so that the real food can be enjoyed. And they're not meditating on the most of the glory, but are instead in the counsel of the ungodly. Therefore, verse 5 tells us the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In judgment and ungodly are not, going to be, are not going to be very bold. There might be a certain number of boldness and standing among those who are not Christians now. But at the end of the day, just as there is the reality of when the king came into the wedding feast, when he looked around at everyone who was dressed there and he found the one individual who did not have on a wedding garment and he asked him, friend, why did you not have a wedding garment? The man was speechless. He had nothing to say. He had no standing. As the judgment came down, he knew he had goofed. He knew he had made a mistake. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God knows our path, He knows our way. No faithfulness to Him is something He can forget. He knows the distinction between the righteous and the wicked and how ultimately the distinction comes down to whether we have faith in Christ or not. Whether we have accepted our need or whether we're still going in self-righteousness. He knows the way of the righteous, but not just the ungodly, but their way to perish. Judgment comes down upon them. Judgment comes down. It's possible that within the hearing of my voice today, there is someone who is currently on the path towards judgment. Of not being able to stand in the judgment having to look the Lord in the face and be speechless. If that is so, there is a refuge in Jesus Christ. Our sins are many. Our sins will be punished. But for some of us, that punishment has already landed on Jesus Christ. And that can be the case for you as well. By simply turning to him, believing in him, and not trusting in any of your own self-righteousness. As we come to the end of this psalm, I think we need to be reminded of the fact that it's pretty cool. It's pretty great to be strong. Everyone wants to be a strong oak. Everyone wants to be blessed and happy, not not standing in the judgment. We'd rather be an oak than a deceased elm. And we'd rather have more in similarity to the tree of life than chaff. And the psalmist has told us, And yet, it's so easy to be pushed around by the world. To have the influences of the way in which the world (laughs) provides the air we breathe. So easy to be influenced by books, by media, by co-workers, by neighbors. It's so easy to find ourselves more influenced by the world than our true delight in the word of the Lord. Do we want to be strong? Do we want to be fruitful? Do we want to be blessed and happy? And I suppose as individuals and as a community, we should be in the Word, finding our enjoyment in it and finding more opportunities to think about it and study it day by day. I'll leave you with the words of Caroline Cobb's song for Psalm 1. I want to be like a mighty oak, roots growing strong and deep. When the wind blows, the roots going to hold, because you're holding on to me. Yeah, you're holding on to me. I want to be like a tree by the river. Oh, will plant me down by the deep, deep water. When the sun gets hot, my leaves won't wither. I'll plant me down like a tree by the river. plant me down by your deep, deep water. Father, do plant us down by your deep water. Plant us by the waters of your word. Cause us to receive that necessary nourishment from you. Cause us to receive that necessary instruction. Cause us not to, to disdain or look down upon the study of your word, but may we, as we come together in Sunday school and church, as we come together throughout the week from house to house, as we are privately in our own house, may we come to engage in your word, to study it, and ultimately to find our enjoyment in what it says about and I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Aroma for Christ, summers from the pulpit of the Faustoria Baptist Church. Do you remember 2 Corinthians 2 15 through 16? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things?